Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So my name is Brian Kavanaugh. I'm a pediatric neuropsychologist based at, at Bradley Hospital, and as well as an assistant professor at Brown Medical School. And in my work in, in neuropsychology, focuses on disorders of, of childhood, mental health disorders, and the learning and thinking difficulties that can go along with these disorders. One of the most common disorders that we see is, is ADHD. And, uh, and what we know about ADHD is that ADHD was first described in the literature almost 200 years ago. And, and we now know that it's one of the most common mental health disorders in kids. It affects between eight and 12 or six to 12% of, of school-aged kids. It's more prevalent in boys, but it still occurs in, in girls. And what we know is that ADHD um, is a large contributor to mental health problems, mental health services that occur in childhood. It's the, one of the most common reasons that people get mental health services and treatments is because ADHD can, can get in the way. Um, and we know that kids who have ADHD are often very smart and they go on to achieve success. And ADHD is one of those types of disorders that can really um, get in the way or provides a barrier to success. And so I think a lot of times treatment with ADHD is designed to help kids get around those barriers so that they can achieve the, the potential that we, that we know that they have. So what has been your observation and the observation of your colleagues in the field of, of the status during the pandemic? Mm-hmm. Um, just talk in general, I'm, I'm assuming yeah. there have not been any long-term studies at this point, but just tell, tell me what you're hearing, what you're seeing in, in your yeah, observations. For sure. So excluding those cases that may have neurological complications, right? Thinking more about not COVID specifically, but the, the environment that we're in right now in terms of remote learning is kind of how we're thinking about ADHD. And so we don't think that's necessarily, although it may, we don't think right now that the prevalence of ADHD in the population will increase necessarily, but we do think that those who had ADHD before are, may experience more problems now. Now we think about remote learning or hybrid learning. Um, these can be great for kids if you are okay with things like independence, in organization and self-driven behavior. But if you have difficulties with organization or difficulties maintaining your attention for a long time or difficulties with doing things on your own without support, this is gonna be more challenging than a typical school environment. And that's why kids with ADHD are often having more difficulties because their, their organization and, and independent issues are being magnified um, in many ways with the remote learning. Um, and. And one thing we think about in terms of symptoms, are things getting worse or are they getting better? Um, We see different situations for every kid. Sometimes kids are um, doing better with remote learning. I think most kids who have trouble are experiencing um, a rise in problems related to their ADHD. And we think about 
oftentimes teachers versus parents in terms of the symptoms that they're observing. Now, historically, teachers are more often seeing the kids in their daily school and in the classroom, of course. And what we're seeing, what we expect to see is that teacher report may go down and that they may see less problems just because of their opportunities to observe the child. Well, parents for the first time are really seeing their child try to do their full day of work right in front of them. And with these new expectations and new demands, they're probably seeing a new set of strengths and weaknesses. And so we do think and predict that symptoms that are parent reported will probably go up just because that they're seeing their child in a new situation, a new and more challenging situation. So we at the journal um, asked you to prepare a list of 10 pieces of guidance uh, for parents and, and guardians and, and other people, grandparents who, who have responsibility for, for children and adolescents with ADHD, sort of a public service um, as, as it were. And so maybe we can go through those who very kindly provided those. And, and number one was evidence-based mental health treatments. Yes. Um, so before I get into more of the strategies, which are two through 10, uh, we always want to emphasize that there is no substitute to the clear mental health treatments available for ADHD. We know these things include medication with your physician or include therapy or behavioral interventions with a psychologist or a therapist or a social worker. And we know these things work and they work well. And so before we do anything in terms of strategies that you can maximize potential in the home and in the classroom, we always want to emphasize that first step for anything is talking to a professional. That's your pediatrician or a psychiatrist or a therapist or psychologist to get those foundational pieces in place. Um, so that's why I put one there, even though it's technically not really a, a strategy for parents and providers, but that's kind of a first step, I would always say. Um, so two is find yeah. the balance of challenge and success. Talk yes. about that. Yeah, so this is a little more abstract. We shifted gears pretty quickly there from one to two. Um, the idea with anything that we're teaching or helping our child to succeed um, at home is that we want them to generally just barely achieve success. And by that, I mean, we want them to have to work hard and to struggle to some degree on whatever it is they're doing, whether that's a new math project whether that's completing your daily activities at home, whether that's taking out the garbage. So we want them to work and struggle and grow and learn, but we also need them to succeed. We want them to have that self-esteem that I did this when I worked hard. And so it's just, you need to get them that win, but we don't want it to be too easy to win because we don't learn and grow when we're not challenged. And so it's finding that balance um, between pushing them and also giving them that success. Number three on your list is reinforce proactive behaviors. Yes. So very much related to number two. Um, but if you see your child doing something that you wanted them to do or that you're proud of, the best way to make that behavior happen again is to reward it. And that can be as simple as a hug or a high five or saying that was a great job when you put away all of your shoes or when you did your homework, right? You want to be specific with that reinforcer. Or if you're on more of a, a protocol, that may be a token towards earning extra time on the iPad or a quarter towards buying a new video game or buying a new soccer ball. And so I think it's about 
rewarding these behaviors so that that child's brain learns and says, oh, wow, when I do this behavior, I get this wonderful rush of positive feelings and self-esteem and reward. And so I want to do that behavior again. Number four, set clear expectations. Yes. And I think a lot of these, as we're going through, apply for all of us. I think that we emphasize them with ADHD because they're a little bit more vulnerable to struggles in these areas, but they do apply for everybody. Um, so setting clear expectations. Um, oftentimes, kids with ADHD have trouble focusing and concentrating, right? To state the obvious, that's a primary vulnerability. Um, so if you're telling them when, you're, when they're running out of the car, oh, don't forget, here are the rules, bam, 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 but they're not really paying attention. Or you told them the rules a week or two ago, and then you expect them to follow through now, it's gonna be harder for them, <clears throat> excuse me, to encode or process that information and then be able to execute. So even if you think it's overly clear or, or overly concrete, you want to be as clear and concrete as you can say, Going to this family event, here are the expectations. Going to the Zoom call, here are the expectations. Going to the soccer practice, here are the expectations. So they have every opportunity to process that information and then execute it. Once they can encode it, then they're much more likely to be able to use it and follow it in their given environment. Number five is keep a daily schedule of structured activities. Yes, um, especially now um, if they're on their home days for hybrid or they're at home for remote learning, there can be six hours of nothing really scheduled or even worse, it just says school, right? School for six hours. And, and having that unstructured time is, is terrible for all of us, but especially when you are prone to disorganization. So we often recommend structuring unstructured time um, really in 30-minute increments or hour increments, have a schedule for that day, even if you're writing it on a napkin or you're making a nice visual chart, whatever it is, as long as they know, here's math, here's free time, here's lunch, and that allows them to, to work hard and to relax. And it gives them rewards, it gives them breaks, and that's exactly what they need to be able to give their best effort. So always keep it structured. Number six, encourage healthy sleep and eating habits, habits. And again, that's something that would apply to all of us, I think. Exactly. Um, and we generally say, like more broadly, um, what's good for your heart is good for your brain. It's kind of a mantra in neuropsychology and neurology. And I think it applies for a lot of these things. Healthy habits affect your attention in a positive way. And sleep has a tremendous, tremendous effect on attention. If you're sleep deprived, your attention is going to be way downshifted, right? It's going to be, it's going to be suboptimal the next day. And, and so kids with ADHD actually are at higher risk for sleep problems than kids without ADHD. And so it's important to emphasize sleep routines um, and giving them the opportunity to sleep, to sleep as long as they can, right? Within limits of sure, if they have school the next morning, but, but sleep is going to be a huge factor, sleep and appetite in the healthy diet to, to helping to support attention and concentration. Seven, prioritize the most important assignments. Yes, so we all, it's, there's always a to-do list, right? And I think that especially when we are feeling a little bit distractible or feeling a little bit impulsive, even as healthy adults, but also kids who have ADHD, we wanna to go to the easiest or the shortest tasks just to knock it off the list, right? To feel a sense of accomplishment. And oftentimes that's not the best way to go about it. We wanna prioritize 
what's the most important thing to do, even if it's a little bit more challenging? And so I think that that's where parents can help to push and say, you know what, we really have to move this math project to the front, even though we know you love writing or you love reading and you want to do that first, let's get the first part done because we know that things will get in the way throughout the afternoon. And you may have a, um, a hiccup, you may have something come up that's going to delay you doing the other assignments or you get more tired or more frustrated. Let's Let's start with the most important that needs to be done, and then we'll chip away at things that would be great if we completed today. Number eight is keep a set area or space for homework and or remote learning. Yeah, so especially relevant now, of course. Um, it's going to be easier on their brain if they know that when they're in this spot, that's the work time. Right? And that's not always realistic for every household, but what we'd say is that even pick a time. If you have one table for all the kids to get their work done, then from four to five, it's the oldest child, and five to six, it's another child. And so then when that child sits down at that time, their brain knows that this is work time. And that allows their brain to integrate and to adjust and transition into the work much easier. It almost allows it to put on put on autopilot for other things and it allows it to really hone in on what's the most important activity, which is getting that work done. Number nine, provide frequent breaks during school related activities. Yes. So again, for all of us, right? I mean, a healthy adult after 45 minutes at the most, our attention is rapidly dwindling and, and we need a break. It doesn't have to be an hour break, but it's got to be maybe three to five minutes where your brain can just get off the Zoom call. You can go and get a drink of water, use the restroom, do a lap around the house, around the neighborhood, and then come back to it. And for kids, it's going to be even shorter time frame to really maximize potential, probably thinking about maybe 30-minute increments. And then you get a quick break. Again, one to five minutes, something that's small to allow their brain to return to baseline and, and recover. And, and more generally, we think about quality, not quantity, with all types of work, with all types of kids, including kids with ADHD, we don't need 10 hours of homework. We need two hours of great effort, great homework, perhaps, for a high school kid. Um, but you think about maximizing when you're down and when you're sitting in your chair and you're doing the work, give your best possible effort, and then you get out and you go and relax and do something else. And last, number 10, is provide time every day to exercise. And, and once again, this is great advice for the entire population, regardless of who you are exactly. and where you are. <laughs> right? Um, we should have this posted for all of us. Including I, I agree. <laughs> um, so, so exercise has a huge effect on attention and concentration, as well as organization and control. Um, things like karate have great effects for ADHD. Um, team sports have great effects for attention, ADHD, we'll call executive functions. Any type of physical activity, again, what's good for your heart is good for your brain. That's going to really boost your attention so that when you come back after that 30-minute activity, your brain is able to focus longer and more efficiently. So it's going to be faster and stronger than before your exercise. So it's always important to get exercise every day. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. 
Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.